The rulers sneered at Jesus and said, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the chosen one, the Christ of God. Even the soldiers jeered at him. As they approached to offer him wine, they called out, If you are king of the Jews, save yourself. Above him there was an inscription that read, This is the king of the Jews. Now one of the criminals hanging there reviled Jesus, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. The other, however, rebuking him, said in reply, Have you no fear of God? For you are subject to the same condemnation. And indeed, we have been condemned justly. For the sentence we received corresponds to our crimes. But this man has done nothing criminal. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied to him, Amen, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, everyone. It may surprise you to learn that today's solemnity of Christ the King um, is actually a new celebration in the life and history of the church. We celebrate today the last liturgical day of the year, can you believe it? We're going to be moving into Advent here shortly. You're going to have to go do all your Christmas shopping and all that stuff. Um, but here we have this solemnity of Christ, the, the King of the universe. And we come from a culture where we don't like kings very much. Uh, we broke free from England, and uh, we know of rulers and tyrants from around the world. And I think just in general to uh, American sensibilities, the idea of, of having a king is, is a bit distasteful. We like to elect our leaders. And so we might think of kings as way back in the history books, or maybe even in fairy tales. Um, but would it surprise you to know that this feast came about in the year 1920? So it's a fairly new or relatively new solemnity or feast day in the history of the church. It came about through promulgation of Pope Pius XI, who noticed that the world was growing increasingly secularized. They had just come off World War I, where they had seen more death and devastation than they had ever seen before in history. And so the Pope said, that in order for us to maintain peace, that we needed to, to make Christ our king and to follow his rule. And so the, the feast came about. Originally it was celebrated in October, and then later it was moved to the end of the year. So we, we conclude the year here with the feast of Christ the king. 
And when we think about kings in history, I don't know what kind of images come to your mind, but a lot of times what comes to our mind is greed, uh, corruption. Um, some kings were murderous. We think of uh, King Herod and how he wanted even to murder innocent babies because he feared they would grow up and challenge his throne. You know, when the, when the Magi came to find the baby Jesus, uh, he was alarmed and wanted to uh, kill all those babies because of fear. So maybe when we think of kings, we think of kings that are afraid of losing power and they, they, uh, they abuse their power through murder and war and death and all sorts of things like that. Maybe when you think of a king, you think of somebody who just uses extravagantly wealth Without caring for the poor of the kingdom, they just lavish that wealth upon themselves. Maybe we think of uh, uh, King Louis or the palace of Versailles that had over a thousand rooms in this palace and gold everywhere. And when the people were in, you know, in real dire need even of food, uh, what do the kings say? Uh, you know, let them eat cake or something like that. Maybe your idea of a kingship is a king who hoards wealth at the detriment to the prosperity of the city or the country. Or maybe we think of kings and we think of isolation. You know, some kings, the way that they exercised their authority was to separate themselves from everybody and to be isolated. Uh, there is a place, I think, in China. It was like the Forbidden City. Nobody was even allowed to go there unless you were invited by the king. And if you stumbled upon it, maybe they'd, they'd kill you. And so it was isolation. We think of these, all sorts of ideas may come up in your mind when you think of, of a king. And then we look here at the crucifix and we say that Jesus is the king of the, of the universe. To those who think that kingship means killing other people in order to maintain their power, Jesus dies on the cross for his people. And we think of kings as like super wealthy. He's naked. He didn't have anything when he went to die. All he had was an article of clothing. And they took it from him and cast lots to see who would get it. We think of kings that want to isolate themselves and keep you away from them, maybe so you don't see how they live or they don't want to see how you live, they want to be isolated. Jesus spreads his arms open in an invitation to come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and find life difficult, and I will give you rest. The kind of king that Jesus is is vastly different from all sorts of earthly kingdoms that have come before him. And so it is a feast that I openly celebrate with great joy. That we have a God that's not like our earthly kings. That we have a God that wants to be king over our hearts. And he wants to lavish us with gifts and give us everything for our happiness, for our salvation. We look at the things that happened to Jesus when he hung on the cross and how they uh, 
were making fun of him and the rulers sneered at Jesus. And you might look at this reading and say, why did the church choose this reading for the feast of Christ the King? It, I think it was to show the contrast. When they looked at Jesus on the cross, they said, how can this be a king? Look at him. He's weak. He's penniless. He's naked. Who's here to defend him? His disciples ran away. Just the Blessed Mother and John remained at the foot of the cross. You know, where is his army? You know, a king has an army to defend him. And so when they looked at Jesus, they didn't see a, a king at all. Matter of fact, they saw something very different. I don't know if you realize this, but the crucifixion that the Romans did, this was the death sentence for a slave. And so when they looked at Jesus and said, that looks like a, a slave. He's being executed by crucifixion. You know, Paul was a citizen, and as a citizen, they were forbidden to crucify Paul. As a citizen, he deserved a quick death, and so Paul, St. Paul was uh, beheaded. And so when they looked at Jesus hanging on the, on the cross, to them they didn't see a king at all. They saw a slave. And yet they're written in the inscription above his head. Today we see the INRI in Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Uh, in Luke's gospel, it just mentions it, but in other gospels we know that it was written in Hebrew, uh, Greek, and Latin. And we say Jesus is king of the universe because we believe that Jesus was with God when God created everything. And so it's not just planet Earth. It's not just the, our solar system or the, the Milky Way, but that God created all things and he holds all things in himself. And so it's indeed true to say that Jesus is indeed king of the universe. And we who choose to follow him, to make him our king, he calls us to follow him and to follow his example. He says to each one of us, you must daily pick up your cross and follow after me. And so each one of us is called daily to pick up our cross and to follow him, to humble ourselves. You know, sometimes we try to make ourselves king of our own little castle. You know, who's the king of your household? Who's the queen, right? <laughs> um, we oftentimes want to glorify ourselves, but he invites us to take up our, our cross and to follow him. You know, early church fathers, they saw the cross as both an altar, and Jesus offered himself on the altar of the cross, but they also saw it as his throne. This is how he rules over our hearts, by his sacrificial love. And so as his followers... We are called to imitate him in the carrying of our own cross. And I think we pour ourselves out to God in different ways. One is we cannot fall for the trap of love for money. Jesus gave it away. And when he died on the cross, he was naked. When he sat on his throne of the cross, he was penniless. And so we must not let wealth or, man, or, or the things, kingdoms of the earth be more important to us than the things of God. And so how is it that God is calling us to be generous like himself with the things that we have of the earth? When Jesus opens his arms and he makes himself not only a king 
of the Jews, but indeed king of the universe, he invites all people to himself. Whether you're Indian or from Africa, from Europe or Asia, whatever continent you come from, he invites all of us to come to his throne, the throne of the cross, and to receive his mercy. And somewhat of that needs to rub off on all of us, his disciples, that we be welcoming of all that God sends us. And sometimes we may run away from certain people because we're afraid or maybe we don't understand a certain culture. But it isn't Christian to reject people just because of where they come from or what social status they may find themselves. If we find ourselves as follower of a king that invites all people, the whole, he's the king of the universe, then how can we uh, isolate ourselves? When we think of Jesus on the cross and how he gives himself for his bride, the church, then we too are called to look for opportunities to do good for others. All of us are called to holiness. Saint Thomas Aquinas said there are three steps to holiness. One is to avoid sin. Two is to do good and to grow in virtue. And three is to abide in the Lord. As we kneel before his throne, as we look at him on his throne, let us ask him to help us to mold and shape our lives to be a little bit more like him. Amen.